Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. And welcome to Nightlight. This is Neon Twilight with Solaris Blue Raven and me. And um, we have the, the honor of, of being able to share with you tons of information. Solaris and I have been selectively going through The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly P. Hall, a must-have for any spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, inquiring mind out there, um, a book that should be in your library. Um, usually it makes a real good doorstop, but but on top of that, it's a good read, too, and, and it, it covers a plethora of material. And so Solaris and I have been going through some of it and and seeing if we can't enlighten people in certain different aspects and areas that are of interest to each of us. So... Welcome to the show, Solaris. Well, thank you, Barbara. Pleasure to be here with you again on the end of my life. Oh, definitely. I, this is this was such a great idea of yours, and I love the name of the show. And it it really it it has as much meaning as far as an illuminating show as as nightlight is is as you know nightlight is meant to be a nightlight in the darkness of confusion, and so Neon Twilight is illuminating the twilight of consciousness and bringing clarity into it. So, you know, our titles great are great. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they really dovetail, don't they? We couldn't have planned that any better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, you know, I think that, that, you know, when you said you wanted to do a show that was mystical and spiritual you know i i jumped on it i thought that was a great idea and then when you invited me to join you with it then it was a matter of that's fabulous now what are we going to talk about <laughs> um, everything anything it's fun and though the yeah. chemistry is really good too alchemically we have a a good connection so yeah it's wonderful i'm so glad you're here with me well it's and welcome with you you know i well it's nice they're here too yes um I have found that doing a show when you're all alone, you tend to eventually talk in a monotone. 
And and if if the show is a is a conversation between two people, it's more interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. And oh, I totally and, agree. And you know, my my intent is not to put people to sleep. So it's so cool that the two of us can go back and forth, and we both have, you know, a different backgrounds but same focus, which which makes mm-hmm. it. You know, a fascinating, you know, we each have a different perspective on so many different aspects. And we are, we're going to be talking tonight about the Great Pyramid and the Sphinx and the mysteries that are connected to them. And, and I, I don't know about you, but my fascination with, with, um, the pyramids and the, and the tombs in the Valley of the Kings, you know, goes back to when I was in the fifth, sixth grade. And, I remember making a, a model of King Tut's tomb for a project for school. Mm, so, wow. so you know, I, I I was there. I was into it. Now, mm-hmm. and have you ever been to Egypt? Have you ever been to the Great Pyramid? Not in this life, I always say, but I have that familiarity. You know, I, I can remote it very well. I, I know where things are if I get over there. But I have not physically been there, and it has been on my bucket list. I would love to go. It's really on your bucket list. Oh, it is See, on my bucket I'm list, a, but I don't know. My bucket list is overloaded, and the world is changing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I graduated from a bucket to a to a garbage can long ago because I had too many things that I wanted to see and do. And while going into the Great Pyramid. At one point was was you know I I had a, a friend who was a psychic who did the Renaissance Festival with me and we traveled back and forth to the fair every weekend and, and so we had long conversations and one evening when we were having dinner after the festival she got a um, fortune cookie and inside the fortune cookie it said you yearn to visit the Great Pyramid again nice. not to almost anybody it would be yeah okay cool. Not to her. The next day, she booked a tour with John Anthony West to go to the Great Pyramid. Wow, very and, interesting. And, and and she went. Um, and and it was you know, and and her stories about it were fascinating. And they did the you know, going in after hours and getting to be in the King's Chamber and all of that. But at the time, I was doing gem casting with stones, and I said to her. You know, pick up a couple of little little stones from around the Great Pyramid, so I can put them in with my other, you know, stones that I do forecasting with. And when she came back, she said, "I had great stones for you." And I said, "Terrific! Where are they?" She said, "They're still in Egypt." And I said, "Okay." And she said, "I showed them to the guide, and he said you don't want to give that those to your friend, and they were very pretty, mm. apparently." And she said, "Why?" And he said, "It's mummified." Camel dung. Oh, <laughs> seriously? Oh, they were very wow. pretty. You know? <laughs> so, oh my yeah, goodness. probably not a, not appropriate to put in my bag of of gemstones. No, but. I was going to say too. You know, they probably have. I'm sure you can find stones somewhere over there. But I think they would be very picky about people taking things and and putting them on the plane to go home, anyways. Yeah, they they um, discourage they discourage you picking up anything and, and taking it mm-hmm. away from there. Yeah, and I would so, think so. So while I would well, probably love to love to have had something from the Great Pyramid, 
the chances mm-hmm. are that it would be ancient are slim to none. Right. You know, it 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 probably wouldn't have been anything that that would even speak to the antiquity that's there. But mm-hmm. I'm very claustrophobic, and from people that I've talked to that have been into the Great Pyramid, they do talk about how close it is, how narrow it is, how close it is. And and that to me, you know, I, I would I would think of the tonnage of stone over my head and be sure that the earthquake was going to hit and I hear I, w- I would die in the Great Pyramid, you know. I would not be when you want to you want to be in front of or behind, you know, when panic like that hits. So I don't want to make but, an, an official tomb, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I have done remote viewing to it. So um, I think I've gotten the essence of it without having to be right. claustrophobic. I agree and, with that. And in, in, um, in Manly P. Hall's book, it does talk about um, how they, you know, this book was written over 100 years ago. So, so a lot of the material is from that time frame. And, and they do give, you know, a, um, a kind of an idea as to how they feel it was built. And then after they've, they've gone through two or three pages of how, they, how it was built, then they say there's no proof that the building was erected by the Egyptians even. So, mm-hmm. you know, then, then you get to the point where it's, you know, okay, so they say that it was Kofu, but I don't think it was Kofu either. So do you have a feeling as to when it was constructed? You know, it's really interesting. Um, I'm not sure about their timelines and so far as how that goes. And I know a lot of people who have researched and investigated archaeologically speaking have said over 10,000 years plus or minus. So if you're looking at that window of time and the illusion of with all the earth changes that supposedly happened, happened excuse me, in the Great Flood, I would say um, probably plus or minus that timeline. And in me, you know, when I look at it, it just seems like it's more about a, I keep seeing water everywhere around it. So when I look at it, it seems like I don't think it was floated to its location, but there's something about the water that gave it um, its formula. I don't know if that even sounds correct to you, but that's just what I, I get when I when I think about the um, the timelines and so far as how it appeared, why it appeared. And then I'm looking at the etheric light light station kind of look to it, and that takes on a whole uh-huh. different formula also. So, I mean, you know, and then we were talking about this, uh, which is really interesting because, you know, we don't really have to be there, but at the same time, when I look at it, the whole construct behind it is geometric to some degree. It's multidimensional, multiversal. It has more of a zero-point transmission. And, of course, they discuss the idea behind it being a kind of a power source. So when I look at that, you look at it on the energetic scale of why it was a power source and what it contributed to the grid of the world. I don't think that answers your question. I know I digress. But that's what I get um, if you're looking at timelines. And my apologies for my dog in the background. I know he's making noise. I'll mute. Well, that's okay. My cats will knock something over, so we'll be fine. He was um, quiet before I started. I just wanted you to know that. So. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I've I've often I am of the opinion today and I have to say I have to, you know, qualify it with this is how I feel about it today. Tomorrow it may be different, but right now mm-hmm. my opinion is that it is it is pre-diluvian. I believe that the pyr- the pyramid was built by a culture or a civilization that goes pre-flood. So it would be not not 10 or 15 years, 1,000 years old. I think it's more like 40 to 80,000 years old. 
interesting. See, they get a lot older. Okay. And so, so that would mean that whatever technology was used to construct it was commonplace at the time, but after the flood and after you know coming back from you know, the Stone Age, um, all of that technology is gone, and so mm-hmm. therefore, um, and the pyramid used to have a sheath of, of white limestone on the outside of it. And before it was removed, a lot of it fell off in an earthquake, and I can't remember how long ago, but 18-something. Um, there, there were water lines on it, and mm-hmm. you, could, you could see the water lines. So it, the, the Great Pyramid itself had been underwater, I don't know if totally, but a great deal of it. And inside of it, um, they found salt water, salt deposits from right. salt water having seeped. So so I think that it spent a great deal of time underwater. Now, um, I know there's a subterranean chamber there because I've seen the cutout um, of, you know, the chambers and the ascending passageway and everything. And the, 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 the passage that goes below the Great Pyramid is very roughly hewn. It's not as polished is all the rest of it and the theory is that the romans got in that way or thieves got in there that way and um Mm -hmm. that's why it's it's underwater and it's you know not as finished as the rest of the pyramid um i'm not i'm not i'm not sure i even agree with the with that fact i mean it, it could have been the sewer for all i know but but it feels like it was intended to be there because the passageway goes down there. You know, mm-hmm. if there was no pass, if there was no passageway, then I would say, okay, it, it doesn't mean anything. But there's a passageway that goes, there's a descending passageway, so right. that so that 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 part is underwater. And and there, um, according to Manly P. Hall, it was either where the Romans got in when they went in to try to find out the treasures that were in there, or um, or the Tomb Raiders got in that way. But mm-hmm. um, no, no matter who or what, whoever got in there, they didn't find anything, which makes one wonder what, what the purpose of the pyramid truly was. And mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's really figured it out totally yet. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, there's a lot of speculation, it, yeah. I mean, they, they, one of the thoughts was it was a granary, but that's ridiculous because then it should have been hollow so that they could have put grain in it. And mm-hmm. there, there are also um, philosophies that there are subterranean chambers there. And, and I would agree that there are um, tunnels and, and chambers underneath, but... But not immediately underneath. I think they go a lot deeper than one would than one would think. Mm-hmm. So I and I don't think that they have anything to do with anything current. So it's antiquity right. again. We're talking about um, at one point the Nile did come up to close to the Great Pyramid, which would you know suggest that that you know they they used barges to bring stones in. But but I don't believe that. 
Um, so it's 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 as much of a mystery today as it was when the first people saw it after the flood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And very much so. Well, you know, it's it can't possibly be a tomb because if it were an Egyptian tomb, there would be hieroglyphs all over the place, and there aren't. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and I don't think I agree. they've. They, I, I, I don't believe they have ever discovered a mummy in any of the pyramids. No, not one that I would recognize. In the sense of, if they put anything in there, it's probably because it was there as kind of a sideshow or a distraction. And one thing I was going to add also is that your, um, you know, the pyramid, in my opinion, it seems like it's been gutted to so many on so many levels. When I look at it, you know, when I talk about the energy sounding of the of the pyramid itself. But to me, it could have been, and I know other people have discussed this, but the idea behind the light sound healing chambers, even if you don't use it for that, there's definitely a capability of it harmonizing with frequency, amplifying frequency, resonance waves, and using that frequency for healing, amplification, and whether they weaponize it, that's another scenario. But I see it as a potential. In other words, that is definitely a potential that they could have used with that particular structure. Um, also, um, power generators bringing in oxygen, water, whatever, for the underground civilizations, if they, if they actually had underground civilizations, that would be another thing you look at, too. Like maybe it was something designed to bring in a lot of um, energy for electricity underground. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I know that. I mean, um, I think it does. I'm speculating there, but it, I know it can be used for so many different things. And, and I think that what we're looking at is such a shell of something that was something else that you really have to reconstruct it on a consciousness level. Once again, we are talking about consciousness earlier, but it really is about looking at it, at it from a more than remote viewing, but looking at a very high field of energy and seeing it for the geometrics it is and then overlaying it and seeing what it could be used for, possibilities, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, and, you know, with the Sphinx, I think the Sphinx is even older than the pyramid. Mm-hmm. And... um and I have always held, even from when I was in the fifth grade, and I looked at the Sphinx. All I could, all I could think of was, the head is so out of proportion. It had to have been bigger and something else. And then somebody with an ego trip carved it into their face, you know, for for, for an ego boost or something. Yep, you're right on. Egypt- yeah. I mean, the Egyptians, they, they were so into proper perspective. And, and, you know, having things balanced to put a head that was five sizes too small on the body just is, you know, beyond belief. Mm-hmm. And one thing, I did, one thing I did learn from actually reading the material um, is that mm-hmm. the body of the Sphinx is one solid stone, but the paws are all separate smaller stones. I didn't realize that. That's interesting, too. Yeah, I think I heard about that a long time ago. Yeah. Makes you wonder why, huh? Well, it does. And, and, you know, there are rumors that there was a passageway and that wasn't it Edgar Casey that said under the left paw or the right paw, I can't remember which, was a chamber and in the chamber was the Hall of Records and and Toth Mm -hmm. um, material and everything. And... Mm -hmm. What what gets to me is with all of the all of the legends and all of the um, things that have been said about, especially the Hall of Records, why the the Egypt the Egyptians wouldn't in some way try to do um, you know uh, 
in-ground penetration, digging, seeing if there is a chamber underneath the Sphinx. Another another of their theories was that the actual entrance to the pyramid um, had to be gotten to through the Sphinx and going down a passageway, and then there would be another passageway into uh, the Great Pyramid. And wouldn't it be wild if the Great Pyramid really wasn't finished and that they never got the connective passageway dug from underneath the Sphinx into the underground portion of the Great Pyramid so that what we have is is something that was not ever fully completed before chaos mm-hmm. hit. That makes sense. And that, really and, that, that, and that that underground whatever was where the passageway was supposed to meet to be able to let you go into the upper regions of the of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Another point um, I'd like to make also, you're, you're right about the way they were constructing it. It's almost like they were trying to cover something up. When you think about the paws uh-huh. of the Sphinx and the different, you know, the, the disorientation connected to the head and everything else, I would say if I were to just look at this from a different, like a parallax view, that those paws aren't supposed to be there. Nothing's really supposed to be there. It's almost like that was built there to cover something else or, or put it over something, uh, seal something up underneath. Yeah. And and yet, I think they've done um, in-ground penetration, you know, we, they've done some of that, and they, they have discovered that there is a void down there. But they mm-hmm. don't want to try to get into it because they'll, they're afraid they'll destabilize the Sphinx, which which is probably a good reason. Well, well but yeah, you, look at it, though, you realize that that Sphinx wasn't supposed to be there like that. The way it looks now, and I, I can pretty much tell you I don't think it was supposed to be that way. The face, everything. So to me, it's kind of like, well, I think it's interesting as a marker, but I think there's something, it's it's a marker, no doubt. So you have to look underneath uh-huh. it or it's covering something up. No doubt about that. Well, the Department very of Antiquities in Egypt is really very protective. They don't want anything to come out that would compromise tourism. Right. So, So they don't want... You know, God forbid there's a, there's another discovery. I mean, if a Hall of Records is is there, and and I don't think personally, I think the Hall of Records is in another dimension. I think there Agreed. may be a portal there, but I think the Hall of Records itself is in another dimension. And mm-hmm. it, you know, it's just and but again, it's sort of like I this this building is older, and the Sphinx is probably older then anybody's giving it credit for. You know, they keep saying that a lot of the, the marks on the wall on the outside of this thing have to do with rainwater and stuff like that. And that may well be, but it's all of that stuff has been underwater as well. And then covered up by sand probably protected it to a great extent. And, you know, now we've dug it up and now it's beginning to fall apart again. So Exactly. It's, I, I I don't think that we've even scratched the surface as to and, and I think for for power for energy absolutely I mean people have known for generations that pyramid power will increase the uh, productivity of seeds they'll sharpen razor blades mm-hmm. they'll do I mean you know it's it's funny we discover things that come from antiquity that make things better within our society and we all we all go, Isn't that great? And then we never use it. 
you know. Mm-hmm. We never take, you know, benefit of it. I, I know a lot of people that, you know, have worn little pyramids on their heads um, or, or slept under a pyramid, and, and you know, that that is a more relaxing energetic, you know, to do that. It does it, it does improve your sleep patterns for sure. But mm-hmm. but it's sort of like, okay, <laughs> here we it's it's like we've we've had we have this discovery and yet we are, we aren't taking advantage of it because, of course, you know things like big pharma and big corporations don't want to have their sales in any way compromised. So God forbid you use an ancient technique to do something that will make life better. Right. Yeah, that's going on and on. You're seeing the breakaways right now with. The- full speed ahead as far as putting people back into that space of amnesia and then putting them into this, you know, codependency on big pharma and everything else, in my opinion, because we have all the components to heal our bodies. I'm still a, a firm believer in, in holistic field energy where you're just using frequency sound uh, and all the other components to heal the body and, and just support the system in general. But I think you're right. Uh, and it's interesting because when we come from a level of, of mystery school consciousness, in a sense, we can look at it from the esoteric aspects of what these pyramids were about and it does, it does apply because of the frequency. And then you look at the other aspects of the power generator, sure, absolutely. So if I'm not mistaken, I think Nikola Tesla had a real interest in the, in the Great Pyramid as well. So you've got all that going on. And there was obviously for a reason, but I think there's so many secrets that have been hidden and so much has been sanitized. And even with this particular antiquities over there, I mean, you can't get real data from these guys. And we wonder how much of that has been sold in the black market, these ancient artifacts. We don't know. Uh, it just, it's real sad in a sense on that level. Well, look what look what the Egyptians were doing in the 1800s. They were burning burning mummies in the engines of the trains to propel the. Pe- mm-hmm. They they were using mummies to fuel the trains. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you have no idea, you know, who they may have burned up. Um, right. Just yeah. to, just Destroying to keep evidence. the train going. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, we don't need trains. Yeah, it's the whole thing. We could have gone. Go ahead. I'm sorry, but but free energy comes fine. But go ahead. Well, yeah, but this is 1800s when trains were, you know, mm-hmm. a big deal. There weren't right. planes then. <laughs> so, uh, but, but, you know, it, it's, <laughs> you, you, you sit back and you look at, at the Great Pyramid, and it's, it's almost that it's mocking us. It's, it's kind of like, you know, if you, if you just let yourself go, you could figure out what this is all about. And... And, you know, you and I probably come closer to it than anybody else does. You know, um, I think so. you know they, they yeah. were tombs. They, you know, they, um, you, you know, we have, we have, um, who is it? Um, now I'm, I'm going to, I'm freezing on this name again. Scott, um, the one who wrote the Pyramid Void. Scott Crittenton. Oh, okay. Um, he wrote, he wrote the Pyramid Void. And it's interesting because his theory resonates to a certain degree, not totally, but to a certain degree. And and I guess I, I should preface at least whatever I say, you know, I, I I have lots of philosophies and lots of theories, and it, and just because I talk about them doesn't mean that I I live them all or I believe them all a hundred percent. It's it's just interesting material to put out there for people to work with. His He's come up with the concept that they have new um, radar that has been developed that will go through stone. And they've used it on the Great Pyramid, and they have found that there is a huge void um, 
within the pyramid the same size as that ascending stairway that goes from the bottom up to the king's chamber. So it's huge. And his theory is that the pyramid is pre-Diluvian, that a, um, a pharaoh back in that time frame, one of his advisors said, uh, came up and said, you know, a big catastrophe is going to happen. Um, the whole land is going to be covered with water. Everything is going to be washed away, and there will be nothing left. And so this pharaoh built the Great Pyramid in order to be a storehouse, in order for people to be able to start civilization all over again. And in the void is seed, is agricultural stuff, are the history of, of the culture, the cosmology of the culture. And, and the most important thing is, in, in, in Pharaoh Egypt, the, the most important thing is that your ancestors are the ones that, um, that stand up for you with the gods, that plead your case with the gods. So it's important that your ancestors, their, their sarcophaguses, be preserved so that mm-hmm. they can help you with the gods. And so he, he took his dynasty, all of their sarcophaguses, there were 27, no, 27. There were 27 pharaohs and, and their queens. So there were 52 sarcophagi. I think that's how you say it. Well, you know, mm-hmm. sarcophagus. And they are all in that void. So he was providing, he was, he was, he was saving the dynasty so that, so that they could work with the gods to help civilization start again. And in the in the ascending passageway, there are 27 um, like steps, and on each st- on on the right and the left of the step, there are little inserts where statues once stood, because because if if your body is too rotten for your soul to come back into a statue that that replicates you is is appropriate. And so on each of these steps was a, was a statue of a pharaoh and his queen. And when the uh, first people got into the pyramid, um, there were all of these statue fragments all over the ground. So the statues had been there when, the you know, the first of many that went in there, um, you know, they, they discovered that the statues had all been broken up, obviously, by Tomb Raiders, I guess. But those statues were there for the, um, just in case the bodies didn't make it through whatever trauma was coming. What's interesting is the void that they have, that they have discovered and that they have pinpointed from lots of different areas has no passageway leading to it. So that as the pyramid was built, they got to a certain level and they lowered everything in and then they sealed it all up. So whatever is in this void has been protected throughout time. So it it should all be there and intact. Very interesting. It reminds me of the Hall of Records a little bit, what you're describing. But also, it's it's a time capsule. I guess that's what it is. And as you're looking on that level, yeah. the way he's describing it, in a sense, I mean, that's, you're leaving a marker, once again, as a remnant of something else designed from our cosmic ancestry, to some degree, 
what it was used for. We can speculate on, but I think that a lot of us who have that old soul spirit consciousness and have more than likely been there on another timeline, another lifetime, know we have some rem- uh-huh. you know memory banks that activate here and there. At least I I see it that way. But yeah, that's very very interesting. And the ascending uh, passage, what you're describing, so the void, which it doesn't have any way to access it, that just tells me, I keep seeing zero point when you tell me that. So whether it's teleportation, phase shifting, whatever, I think it's way beyond what he's saying um, with, you know, seeds and this and that. That's just what I see. I see it as energy, though. Yeah. Well, let's see. That's interesting. I think what fascinates me about all of these Egyptologists and these people into all of this stuff, they, they... nudge up against mysticism and spirituality but they don't want to be they don't want to touch it and mm-hmm. so you get somebody like you and i uh, you know we jump in with with hip boots on you know that's <laughs> right like, are that's you crazy <laughs> and and so so exactly and who was it well james tabor was i had him on friday and i was talking to him and he was going into the the mysticism of the that Paul had when when he had his um, transformation when he saw the spirit of Jesus and and you know he kind of tippy toed around it and I said to him you're in my ballywick I know exactly what happened here mm. so it, it, it's kind of fun because I know that they can't prove a lot of the stuff that you and I talk about but it's so real that that we know we're right so that mm-hmm. it's it's kind of it's and and in what another three, four, five, or fifty decades, everybody will assume the same thing that you and I do now. But um, so as as far as the, this chamber that's there, they're going to take um, a lapro- laparoscopic drill and drill into it, and then illuminate the inside to see what's there. And he said he knew they were going to do that the Department of Antiquities, but he didn't know if the results would ever be released. Hmm. When are they planning so, on that, or did they do it already? Um, he doesn't know. I mean, that book was just published within the last year or so, so um, I have no idea, but I, I would bet you money that whatever... I would bet you money. I would bet you money that whatever is in there will never hear about it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Well, this is what bothers me. It's like Indiana Jones, and, and I can relate to some of this because people have stolen my work in the years. I'm not talking about you. But the idea behind coming up with something that's very unique based on something way off out of the box, and all of a sudden people with backgrounds and particular departments decide to go for it, they take everything, they confiscate it, they sanitize it, and they don't dis- disclose anything. And the person that eventually invented it or created that idea or you know, is, is ignored. I've seen that a lot. And, and unfortunately, I think that's not the first time this is going on when it comes down to the structure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, thanks well, for look, the free information. At, we'll take it from here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> look at look at Nikola <laughs> Tesla. I hey, mean, yes. he, he wanted to give everything, he wanted to give things away, so they, they made sure that he never had the opportunity to do that. I mean, right. you're right. It happens frequently, and it's it's because there are so many large corporate entities that, that you know, don't want you to rock the boat. In, in many cases, it's the... Um, it's well a, a good for instance is the bosnian pyramid um the Egyptolo- egyptologists didn't want the Bo- bosnian pyramid acknowledged as a pyramid because they were afraid it would take away from their um from their tourist travel that amazing is that not petty 
I mean, yep. and and you know, I, I mean, yes, they're still trying to authenticate it and everything, but but even when Egyptologists went and looked at the Bosnian pyramid, um, some of them did say, yes, this is a man-made pyramid. They lost their jobs in Egypt. Mm-hmm. So, right. um, and you know, from what I've seen, the tunnels and everything, and and we've done remote viewing into it. It's a pyramid. There's no doubt oh, yeah. about it. Even the frequencies, but, once again, he measures the frequencies over there, too, and, and there's something that's spiking up in transmission, frequency-wise. Well, yeah, and not, not, yeah. They, they went to the top of it, and they were able to record it, and they played it back, and the pyramid answered them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, like an antenna. So there's, yeah, there's something there, and and it, it's like, you know, you just want to, you want to dive in and, and you know, I, I would be horrible at an archaeological dig. I've seen them with their little toothpick things and their little brushes. I'd be there with a bulldozer. I mean, you know, I would probably destroy half of the stuff mm-hmm. that, you know, it would be, you're going to spend years, you know, brushing away the dust to get something out. Why don't you just yank it out? Come on. Um, yeah, no, dig deep. I, I would. I would say dig deep, too. <laughs> so. Do like a few little feet here and there. Go down. That's just me. Well, it's, I it's think there's a lot like, down there. That's why. I am positive that there are tunnels under the Great Pyramid. I, I've mm-hmm. been there. I've seen them. I know they're there. Now, they may be a lot deeper than people are anticipating, but um, if you look at the Toth material, the um, the the the, the uh, head priest at the Temple of Light gave his spaceship to Toth to go to the land of Kem, and they buried the spaceship at the Giza Plateau. So that spaceship theoretically is buried deep underneath or alongside of or somewhere there um, Mm -hmm. underground. I've heard that too. You know, I kept thinking, well, maybe this is speculation, but the idea behind burying it underneath the Sphinx would be a good location as well. That's what I mean by something's uh-huh. under there. But I'm looking at things as energy, too. When you talk about ships, we talk about the ships of light and, and ships that are in a stasis. In other words, they're in a different field of energy that they're not accessible like you'd see at Area 51 and S4 where you can go in there and it's tangible. You get a black, you know, whatever, a triangle. I'm, I'm thinking other yeah. things in, so far as uh, reactivated through frequency states of consciousness and a symbiotic exchange of communication based on telepathy. For us, things like us. Yeah. That's what I see. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't digress. You know, we get into these expanded conversations, and I go all over the place. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'll go right with you. Um, oh, good. I, I agree with you, and I also I also believe that that humanity has the capacity. I think humanity, in in many ways, um, and I can't remember who was it. So I unfortunately there have been so many people of late that I've interviewed that I I now they're all smushed together. But I do believe that, that humanity as a culture has a sort of um, culture amnesia in that, in that we don't remember the last mass destruction because it was so devastating and the memory of it mm-hmm. is so ingrained within us that, that there's like a regulator on our consciousness. And some people have been able to break through that regulator, and I think you're one of them, and I think I'm one of them too, in that we're okay, you know, that, that there is another level of energy to use, to access, to get involved with, and 
Yeah, maybe there has been a mass destruction. Uh, the next one isn't for another 3,000 years, so we're pretty safe this lifetime. And it's it's a matter of stretching our consciousness into the next level of perception, opening the third eye, getting into a greater understanding of where we can take our energies and our powers. And, you know, and it's it's not powers like you know, laser beams to destroy something. It's power so that on a level of consciousness you can reach into greater cosmic wisdom and get greater understanding and insight into how to use our bodies and how to live in our bodies better and how to be healthier and wiser. And mm-hmm. and that's where I see us, you know, moving um, in new directions. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the element of there are a lot of people that believe we're in end times. And let's face it, we're always in end times because, you know, today will never happen again. Mm-hmm. But I think end times reflects more a level of consciousness than it does a change in society. I agree. Yeah, knowing one's immortality as well. Um, but, yeah, you make a lot of sense there, especially when it comes down to the Giza Plateau and, and some of the other points you were making. I was thinking of um, the cosmic doorway accesses, and so far as these, you know, we've talked about this before, and I know you've had guests that have talked about the correlation between doorways of the cosmos that oversee the plateau itself and also the Great Pyramid. I'm looking at that, too. But, you know, we are looking at markers and benchmarks, and I think that, um, you know, we have the components to get there, and, and the consciousness in motion, we can go through any field of energy. I, I kind of wonder what um, why mankind chooses to go in reverse. You know, it seems like they're always inverting everything. We talked about energy and consciousness and how it all correlates to the body, but then you see these, you know, weaponization of our biodome and, you know, strategic satellites that are all about destruction and amplification of weaponry versus doing something proper with it. So uh, I think that it's sad to see that global trauma that you talk about, the collective trauma. I agree with that. I think people have gone through serious trauma, and I think a lot of it has been reactivated this past year and a half, to be honest with you. So that's something to look at, and people do have to walk through that. They've got to walk through that and, and rise up, energetically speaking, you know. Yeah, and and I think the the other thing, too, that is really important, and and I struggle with it, and then there are times I don't struggle, but but the reality is we are not the physical body we're in. We're a spirit Mm -hmm. in in an avatar, and that at some point in time this avatar is going to give out and our spirit will go above and beyond literally into yet another avatar somewhere else, somehow else, and not necessarily on planet Earth. But so so there is an arrogance that mankind has that we are the be-all, end-all, and we're not. And mm-hmm. I think that, that I think that what we're going through is, is like the terrible twos. <laughs> it's you know, They're spoiled brats, I'll tell you that much. Not yeah. us, but you and, know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Humanity as a whole. You know, I'm going to fight you. I, you know, my toy is bigger than you toy. You know, the whole thing. And mm-hmm. I I believe that pre-Diluvian, that there was a civilization at a time, and that may be where Atlantis was, mm-hmm. that it, it didn't take place in this this evolution it it was before the flood and that may be where atlantis was it may have been you know that was the time in which for a while there was peace there was prosperity there was sharing there was 
a sense of camaraderie there that we were able to communicate with animals to a better degree that that there was a whole different way of life mm-hmm. and something happened you know whether it was venus hitting us whether it was an asteroid whatever it was that sent us into an ice age mm-hmm. and then the end of the ice age was the driest days and and you know then we came out of wherever wherever we were and but but you know we have we have the memory of the utopian time the the garden of eden time whatever you want to call it but it was it was pre-diluvian it wasn't mm-hmm. within the last you know 10,000 years 20,000 years okay. it was uh, right on go ahead no it's it's just it, to me that it makes for right now it makes greater sense to me yeah, tomorrow I may change. But <laughs> well, I know you say that, but <laughs> but it's true. But, but you know what's interesting? We have the, um, the ether field always factored into the scenery because when I look at Atlantis, and I think we've had this discussion before. To me, it always seems like it's cosmic in frequency. It's very ethereal. Um, it, it comes uh-huh. from a different space time where it overlays and over- intersects differently. So it's not tangible the way people see it here. At least that's the way I read it. So I think it has everything to do with the ether field, the Atlantean timeline, and perhaps something happened where there was an intersect or field collapse of some kind. I mean, I, that could be speculation, but I don't think so because I'm looking at a different scale of frequency and how things happen. You know how that works with our frequency. So when we change frequency or space-time, our, everything changes and right down to density. So to me, something something massive tra- made a transfer or an overlay or something that connected into that. That's just what I see anyway, but it's very interesting. You well, know, the you know, open collision we, comes to mind. But go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, we're on a planet. And things happen to planets. I mean, they hit other planets, asteroids hit them. Um, you can have an advanced civilization that is just, just glowingly fabulous, but the axis of the Earth could change. Ice sheets and plates could shift. I mean, there are tons of things that could happen no matter how perfect a civilization is. Something could happen. And and I, I think it did. And mm-hmm. um, Especially if it's terraformed, too. You have to factor that in when you don't have to. But the terraforming is a big deal because that creates environmental control mechanisms, uh, atmospheric conditions, uh-huh. uh, right down to our oxygen supply. So in my opinion, I, I know this place has been terraformed a billionfold. I mean, I'm sure it has. So you're looking at oh, that yeah. also. Yeah. Well, Let me interrupt the O'Brien, you. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, no, that's okay. Interrupt away. The O'Brien material... Um, and, and I can't remember their first names, but the name of their book is Genius of the Few, the Creators of the Garden of Eden, suggests that, um, this goes way out on a limb, but this is, and, and they've got a website, it's called the Golden Age uh, Project. Um, their, their theory is that um, the earth, you know, was, was free of inhabitants, and these people came from another dimension, and they were here to um, not colonize but cultivate the planet. And and they they became known as and and there were humans here at the same time, but they weren't obviously as evolved. These people that were here creating the garden um, 
were called the shining ones because they were tall, they were Nordic looking, and they, they literally had a radiance about them that they glowed. And the people that were here on the earth at that time mistook them for angels and gods. Mm-hmm. And so what they did was they created a garden and humanity saw it as the Garden of Eden and catastrophe hit and and there were floods and there were all sorts of things that happened but the memory of those people, the shining ones became transformed into what we know today as religion. That makes sense. And Very interesting. They played into the fact that, you know, they, they, they had... They had names, and they had um, the the people that were the healers um, were called serpents, and they weren't serpents. That was just their title, and because the snake was considered to be a healer and full of wisdom and full of healing powers and stuff like that, and there thereby you know the serpents in the Garden of Eden and stuff like that. So they they were able to blend the whole thing, but they were they were definitely from another space time and they lived a lot longer than humans did mm-hmm. and at some point they did create hybrids um and it it i, I see it all over the place people people are saying that um in what was it? Uh, another book great book first contact um or making contact and there is a channeler who has a chapter in that book that talks about how there were 12 alien races that decided to um, enhance the human condition and so that there were 12 of them that donated DNA so that we are a combination, a hybrid of those 12 alien races um, at this particular point in time. So we're hybrid to this planet as well. And you know we're going generation after generation after generation, but the reality i mean there's even a part of our brain as we develop that's called the reptilian brain mm-hmm. so right. um and the embryo at some point in time has gills, so i I mean you know it it you can see the fact that we are hybrids and you know, so we're not indigenous to this planet. We're hybrids that have been planted here. Right. But the O'Brien, the O'Brien, the O'Brien material is is fascinating and and um, highly recommended. Yeah, I'll have to look at that for sure. For a second, I thought you were going to talk about the flat Earth with that, but you know, and my, a lot of people think about that, and I'm not poo-hooing anything because it depends on what field of energy you're looking at this world from, what dimension you observe it. But I've always looked at it. Not that I'm saying there's flat Earth per se, but I'm saying that there is a sphere and there is a um, our biodome is so weaponized right now. It seems like it's the atmosphere and the shields at our um, in our sphere are actually created by technology to some degree. I feel like it's been, uh, I want to say, holographically engineered to some degree. There's a lot to do with these um, terraforming that we were discussing earlier. But, yeah, very, uh-huh. very interesting. I'll have to read that book. Yeah. I would expect the unexpected right now on the timeline. Just, you know, research. Well, as, you know, as one who... Um you know that once a year I put up predictions for the year, and one of the predictions mm-hmm. I put up was that we were going to have more more hurricanes that were going to be, you know, more intensive, and 
Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I I took a look at it the other day, and I went, oh, I can check that one off and check that one off and check that one off. Um, yes, yeah, I do that. believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I, I stopped doing them. I stopped writing them by the month because it was just too upsetting. I'll, I'll do it once a year, and I'll put it all out there, and people can look or not, whichever they want to do. But I truly believe that, that there are so many shifts and changes going on that um, I forget who it was that said it. <clears throat> I don't think it was Eisenhower, but I... I Somebody said that the, the next, you know, great thing, you know, Earth Earth pulls together. We all pull together when there's a major disaster, and that's true. We do. Um, mm-hmm. When when 9/11 hit, everything stopped, and everybody was there for us. Didn't last mm-hmm. long, but we were all together as one. <clears throat> and the next, the next major uh, catastrophe. Is, is going to be the threat of alien invasion. Now, that's ridiculous because if aliens wanted this planet, my God, they could have taken it over any time they wanted. So, you know, but that's, mm-hmm. that's I mean, that's just logical. However, mm-hmm. the general public doesn't understand that. And with the use of holograms, they could easily um, panic 90% of the population into thinking we were being invaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Project Bluebeam on steroids. Yep, I agree. Well, I've talked about that also because you can interconnect people remotely with their brains, so you can have a brain-like mm-hmm. inter- interface. And you can literally be Project Bluebeam internal, so people will see these things. It may not be as a group collective, but they can certainly see them one-on-one. That's even more disturbing. But they can certainly give them their own Project Bluebeam where they're, they're experiencing something that's not really ac- accurate or valid. So, yeah, I think it can get really... Uh, really messed up. And that's part of that whole thing about, you know, feeling, you know, Tesla technology and information and weaponizing it and then creating this, this holographic war zone, which I don't approve of. So, well, yeah, no, but we are the descendants of the visitors. So, you know, the thing is the joke's on them because we are the descendants. We are here. Whether, you know, the, the bio suit is a bio suit. We're, we're definitely beyond hybrid and we are our ancestors to some degree. So the idea behind, Oh, we're going to be invaded by whatever. Well, we already are here. So, Maybe they should look at that instead. I think they are, actually. I think that's why their they're, uh, full speed ahead is trying to contain as many as possible right now. And the surveilling is off oh. the charts. But we won't get into that, but yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, Patrick used to say, we are who we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And, and yep. And I, I totally agree with that. And it's a matter of having people understand that they have the power to wake up. Mm-hmm. And And, you know... People should take a look at the Matrix series again. Yeah. If you've seen it, if you've seen it once, look at it again, because you're gonna you're gonna see how, in many ways, we are living in the Matrix. Totally. And I totally agree. And and it's sort of time to take responsibility for your own life. And and I think one of the things that 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 gets to me about um, major religions and corporations is that they all have dogmas and they try to control the population. And right. it, upsets, yeah, it, it, it upsets me to see um, 
things happening that, that are only meant to control the population or addict them to something. And mm-hmm. um, I'm reminded, uh, I recently learned that, that uh, Hitler was giving methamphetamines to his troops to keep them awake, to keep them sharp, and he addicted them to, to mm. methamphetamine. Yes. And, yep. and and I'm afraid that that might happen again, only with the general oh, population. Sure. Yeah, they're addicted to all kinds of things. I mean, they've been calibrated for the misuse of technology. I mean, whether uh-huh. I like iPhones and I love technology, but there is a an addiction aspect to a lot of people who get uh, almost neurotic about their, you know, having their technology close by. So that's going on. <laughs> Plus the other things that are happening with people, I just think that, yeah, it's, it's a... It's a maelstrom, you know, when it comes down to what their capabilities are to alter people's behavioral patterns. That's there. Well, really, they're not the gatekeepers. They want to be, but they're not. But, yeah, go ahead. Well, what gets me is, why not just use telepathy? Well, I mean, that's the problem. They're using electronic brain links, which is synthetic telepathy, and that can be a real mind control program if they're misusing it. Well, what, you what do you mean, if? Of course they're going to misuse it. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, I've been there. <laughs> I, I, I know. Um, it just, to me, if I really trusted everybody and everything, I'd take a little chip under my ear so I could just hit it every time the phone rang and say, yes, hello. You know, I mean, I would love that. But, but that said, if that was there, then government could also use it to control me. And okay. I don't want to be controlled. So censored. Censor of thought, censoring your consciousness, censoring your, your freedom of thought, freedom of speech. I mean, we're already seeing the censorship here on the timeline. But think about the brain being censored. You try to speak and somebody oh, rewrites the program interface. I, I know they can do this because I've been through these projects. I'm telling you, that is no good. And that is where it violates your universal code, your universal freedom. It's way beyond what people could possibly think this kind of violation. So, yeah, convenience is one thing, but uh, interference patterns with your consciousness and where you're heading, and that's, that's another animal. Well, I have to admit, I just, you know, I do carry the cell phone with me. And I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm going to stop carrying it with me and let people leave messages on the home recorder and not be bothered with checking this and checking that. And, you know, it's it's cool to be able to do it. But, you know, if, if you get so used to that, I, there were there have been times where um, electricity has been out so that so that, you know, there's no TV, there's no... Um, radio, there's no um, cell phones, there's, you know, no refrigerators, there's no stoves. And, and you know, it's kind of like, holy mackerel, you feel so isolated. And that's not a good thing. We shouldn't mm-hmm. feel isolated. We should feel secure within ourselves. And that's, okay, if I have light, I can read a book. If I don't, I can meditate. If I don't, I can, you know, work in the garden. There there are things that I can do that will enhance my ability to utilize my own energy. And, and you know, in, in a way, maybe we need to really be careful about how how farly we how far we integrate ourselves into the electronic stuff around us because you know, I, I mean, I would I would be so sad that, you know, I couldn't do the podcasting anymore. But then, you know, is there another way you could reach society? Yeah, go out and talk to them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
I mean, there are ways, but I find that this is just one field of energy, just like anything else. But I look at what's going on here on this timeline. It's just another dimension that's been simulated and synthetic to some degree. They've created this field of energy. It's highly technological in the sense of the way it's being used, but it's not advanced technology, not the way I'm familiar with advanced tech off planet. So when you look and see what they're doing here, I mean, this, yeah, okay, we can get calibrated and we're good at it. We know how to work it and that's great. But then when we can switch too, we can switch gears and we can go into a different mode of energy. And I think that's where we're heading. Uh, but I don't want to lose all technology just because people are misusing it. I would like to see a balance, and hopefully we will see that. Uh, I don't think you have to get rid of 90% of the population to have a balance. As a matter of fact, I know that there's been talk about, you know, possible eugenics program going across the board, but I look at it in the space of, well, if we are that overpopulated, which I don't believe we are, we could easily live off planet. There's enough space everywhere. There really is. Um, there's no limitation, in my opinion. I don't believe in any glass ceiling. So there's always a way. Well, I would agree with you, and I've I've had the privilege of being able to drive across the country. Let me tell you, there's mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. There's there's plenty of room out there, and we're just yep. we're clustered along the coastlines. But but there are there is room out there, so that so that there's there's adequate space for everyone. Now, I you know I don't know what's happening with you know taking in refugees and stuff like that. I, I don't know what the purpose of all that is. I do know, however, that our space program is a joke because there's already a space program out there. So why are they spending fortunes on these tin cans that they're sending out into space when we already have colonies on the moon and Mars? Yeah, it's a joke. It's a sideshow. And even, even Elon Musk's sideshow is a joke, too. I mean, his little, it looks pretty. I make a great sci-fi, but my point is that we have much more advanced technology, and that's a joke, and I have to even watch it. And, he, you know, just, I'm not impressed with the game. Just not. And just think about it. I've said it before, nothing against him, but Tesla. He hijacked the name Tesla from Nikola Tesla. And I'll say it a billion times over, he is not and never will be a Nikola Tesla. You know, I see a lot of that thievery no. going on, stealing free energy, stealing this, stealing that, taking tech. And he's got all those satellites up there, which I know are capable of weaponization because they were contracted with military. So he can't tell me they're not used for nefarious purposes if, so, if they so choose. Now, I don't want to get too politically involved in that, but I'm just saying, I know what's going on. You know what's going on. We are very nebulous in our consciousness. Um, and, and I find that this is an unnecessary path they're taking. It really is. It's very deceptive. It's very, very deceptive. What is your feeling about about Antarctica? Because, you know, at one point in time when there was a pole shift, that that continent was actually um almost a almost a um well it it, w- it was almost like Florida. It was definitely mm-hmm. um a, a rich um piece of land and I keep I keep getting pulled back to Antarctica because it does feel like beneath the surface. Now I know a lot of that ice is over a mile thick, but down below I feel that there really I I don't think it's hollow earth, but I think there is a culture down there, a species. Uh, there there at, at the very least ruins of an ancient civilization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you on that. You a- I've been, uh, yeah, I've looked at it before remotely, and I'll tell you where I go with it is, yes, I agree with you that there's a, there's facility insofar as there's, there are places to live underground for sure that are not, uh, we're not dealing with ice or snow, we're dealing with a very comfortable environment. But what I get the most with is the jump point access. There's a jump point there for beyond interstellar space. 
it's like it's like a Stargate beyond Stargates. And to me, I, and this is makes sense where the military has been staging so much down there because, in my opinion, I think they're just trying to to control and manipulate that entire area because there's so much zero point access and energy that if we were to get down there, we'd be able to go interstellar and, and beyond without a ship. We could probably calibrate into a Stargate, and that's just me. Uh, but my point is that I know that these places exist. I know that these energies uh, are there. So it's just about accessing them. And when you're talking about ancient civilizations and history, yeah, I totally resonate with that as well. And a lot of that has been, in my opinion, confiscated over the years with these people. And this is why they were always down there. They're always. You remember when uh, President Trump was elected for the first time? They ran into. They ran down to Antarctica for whatever reason. And I thought that was very suspect for various reasons. Uh-huh. I, I've been keeping an eye on it, but but remote it. And tell me what you see, because I've seen these places. I've seen the um, what looks like just a, a wall of stars, I mean, where you can just go in and it's like a jump point. Um, you know, it's like black and there's all stars everywhere and you just move right through it. So there's definitely something there, Wait. for me anyway, and I feel close to that place. I want to go home. And then to me, that's as close to home as I'm going to get before I leave this world. You, really were, a part of, you were a part of the remote viewing thing that we did. And yep. w- one of the places we went was beneath the pyramids in Antarctica. And at one point we got to a place where there was this huge, it wasn't a cavern, it was more of a room, but it was many stories high. And along the outer walls were were literally, um, I, I, I'm going to use the word stargate, but they weren't stargates, and but they were like stargates. And on each of them, were different um, symbols um, specifying where the where the destination was, and all one had to do is to choose what door they wanted, what portal they wanted to go through, to put their hand on it, and they would be taken there. And we this was in a in a remote viewing meditation that we did. Anybody wants to go on the website and. Um, Look for the remote viewing button. The meditation is there. You can follow the meditation. I, I lead you down. I lead you through the chamber. I lead you into the chamber and then out. But, but yes, that's exactly what we saw when we remote viewed it. Yeah, that's a confirmation. I don't remember that. Was I, was I there when you guys were doing that one? I remember doing the one with Egypt. I don't know if I have actually caught you guys live for the Antarctica. But anyway, yeah, it was a nice well, well, all of the all of the meditations are actually there on the website, so you can follow the meditation down and leave leave um, whatever responses you want. I think we did thirteen of them, and we did stuff all over the country, and then we did the moon, and we did Mars, um, but we and and the last the tomb of the last emperor, and um, but the one that really and we did Bosnian pyramid too. That was that was very moving for me, but. But the Antarctic one was especially because it had, it was like a, a, a it was like Grand Central Station, in many mm-hmm. ways, and and you know there were these portals that that all you had to do was go up and put your hand on, and and there were there were people there that were, I you know they weren't they they weren't they were obviously not humanoid and indigenous here but they were humanoid to a to a degree so that you you recognize them as people mm-hmm. but um yeah no it was it was I, that was that was such an exciting time doing those remote viewing things and, and we always were fun found yeah yeah it was <laughs> you should do those again well those were great yeah 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, I keep thinking, you know, it would be fun to do them again. Um, but again, it's, it's you know like, you know. Well, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. The meditations are all there. All you have to do is play the meditation, and you, you, you get you get taken right along wherever we went. Um, but it's kind of like we had, I think, about a hundred people that were doing it with us, and you know, I'm not sure that the hundred people would still want to uh, do remote viewing again. Right. I, well, I might. I might, awesome. I, I might think about it. Let me know if you do, because I'd be up for that. I really enjoy it. I have a little group that I do remote viewing with, and. They're awesome. They're, they're not experienced. They don't call themselves remote viewers, but I'm telling you, man, they get every target. These guys are fantastic. Uh, I'm amazed. And I know everybody has the gift. They really do. But what's interesting is that when we're looking at remote viewing, we're observing as, from afar, so to speak, or we're interacting, we're actually there. But then there's the other aspect of remote influencing, and I think that this is something that I'm dialing into more and more, um, that I, I don't even try to influence, but you do have the capabilities. You probably realize that. So while you're there, you can actually influence and see how far you can get. And I would encourage uh-huh. anybody who's out there who's experienced or, or learning, just go with it. Go with the flow. If you can do it, do it. Um, and don't be fear, fear-based. fear You know, just uh, trust because it will all work out. That's just my two cents. Because they do try to set well, up barriers. Know, they do try to stop you. They're not going to stop us anymore. We're done with that. Oh, yeah. No. We're speaking for the, I, those I know, of us who are very advanced. I, yeah. Well, the thing is, when you have a group energy, when you're drawing on a group of people, um, you plow through whatever kind of um, – um, barriers are put in your way, you know, because it's not just one person going, it's 15 or 20 or 50 or 100 or whatever. And um, I do I do know that in almost every case when we would go into some place and we got led beneath the surface into tunnels, there were, there were places um, where I, it, where, I can't remember where I was reading it, but we we would be taken down corridors and the walls would glow as we came up to them and then the the glow would follow us so that so that there weren't there weren't overhead lights but the walls literally glowed and in many places there were we stopped and i remember telling people to look on the wall and there were whole bunches of impressions for hands and i remember saying Find one that fits you and put your hand into it and feel the energy as it flows through you and and unlocks doors and and opens you to wisdoms and it was really funny because when i when I felt one that felt comfortable for me, I felt a tingling, I felt the energy and um mm-hmm. Bill Brown was a part of it was a part of that one with us, and afterwards he said to me, "You know I didn't want to say anything, but when I put my hand up to the wall." And I said, yeah, he said, I only had three fingers. And oh, wow. he felt so that <laughs> mm-hmm. it was it was very strange. But he said, but it felt it was mine. And he said, I put it up right. and I felt, you know, the energy and everything. But so um, there were there were lots of and the meditations were maybe 20 minutes long. They weren't they weren't long at all. Perfect. And yeah, and, perfect. And, and yet, you know, it, we were able to go somewhere and see something. And I mean, I learned a lot. I mean, I, I've done mm-hmm. meditations forever, but that was one place where I remember I, at, at the very first time we did it, I stopped and I gave, you know, I let people loose, and people, the reaction was, 
as soon as you stopped talking, I lost it. And so from then on, I talked all the way through so that people had a voice mm-hmm. to follow. So, yeah, you were a guide was, to them, yeah. It was it was an interesting time, and, and I had, it, it was lots of fun. And all of the information, the pictures of the places we went, the meditations, they're all up on the website. And uh, Your website. Oh, yeah, sorry, my website. <laughs> Everybody knows. I, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, I forget to mention that. Yes, it's my website. And yes, it's your website. <laughs> so if they want to go hunt for and, it, they can go over to barbaradelong.com. Thank you. <laughs> I forget to talk about my website. You, know, you need to talk about it. It's a nice website. It's very pretty. It's cool. It's lots of fun, and I've had fun with mm-hmm. it. So. But, but yeah, no, I think I think that we're coming into a time where people are getting more and more and more to a, to a, to a point where they're they're understanding that they do have the ability to do a lot of things that they didn't think they could before and because we've got so much extra time on our hands because of lockdowns and everything it's a super time to get involved in in working with those aspects of ourselves and you know you know, you're probably not going to levitate or anything like that but you could you could. <laughs> you never know. But, Anything can happen. <laughs> and astral projection, well, that's a given. Oh, astral projection, remote viewing, telepathy, all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's that's a given. But, yeah. um, you know, I don't understand why people... Um, I, I understand that the element of survival is really paramount in this particular point in time. And it's hard to get to a place of being able to to relax and to sink into um, a meditative state. But if one can find the opportunity for that, um, it's a very special time. And and it mm-hmm. does enhance you on many different levels. Now, you've, you've, done, you've been involved with testing for, you know, the telepathy and the remote viewing and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. And you did it under circumstances that were, were manipulated and they weren't comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. But but now that you don't have that control over you, do you find yourself going in different directions? Yeah, actually, uh, ever since certain people have kind of, well, one is deceased, but I can tell you point blank, yeah, I've shifted into a whole different paradigm. And a lot of it is more be, more than nebulous, but it feels very liberating. I mean, I feel like I'm less, um, there's none of that pressure of being controlled, manipulated, handled, or programmed. So all of that seems like it's been recalibrated into another field. So, yeah, I can I can get through things very easily now, um, more so than I've ever been able to. So I think all that training and all that interface has prepped me for bigger scenery off planet and the bigger 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 interconnectedness connected to real telepathy, synthetic telepathy. I can still interface. I can still dial in. My remote viewing seems to be very, very on. Um, but there's none of that uh, pull like I used to have. I mean, I had so much, so much oppression when it first happened, when the induction happened. So, yeah, things have changed positive on that level. And I kept pushing through it, too. You know, Barbara, I didn't let it bring me down. I just stayed strong in spirit and consciousness. And I find that uh, we bring in all that divine energy coming through it somehow, some way. It keeps us going. And I should have been gone oh, yeah. probably not years ago. So, yeah. Well, I yeah, I, did, I know yeah. That, that when I've had those moments, it's like, okay, take a deep breath. Turn this to your advantage. Turn it to your advantage. Mm-hmm. How can you use it? How Thank can you, you, you know... Turn it to your advantage, and and um, I I had nothing like you went through for sure, 
but but I've had moments where I I took for granted and too casually um, the, the talents and skills and gifts that are there and that I was tapping into. And um, let, let, let me just say I had my hand slapped really hard. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I and I and I have a, a far greater um, a far greater appreciation of what I'm allowed to play with, and I do play, but but I I do it in a very kind, gentle, and positive way. Um, there's no, the arrogance is not there anymore. Um, I found that the other side is kind, generous, and forgiving, but also not to be taken advantage of. Mhm. So agree. So so it's 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 a matter of okay, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Hundred percent. Gotcha, you have remarkable gifts too. You really do. You're you're an excellent teacher. You're just remarkable on so many different levels. So it's a real blessing to communicate with you and have this show with you because you're very advanced in your own psyche and consciousness. I mean, there is no ego in you. You just gnosis. I, I get that too with me. I think that's why we get along because there's that gnosis. I don't have an ego. There's just information, but um, but I love I love what you do and where you've been and who you are. So thank you. That's why I tell you that. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I have found that there has not been a person ever that I've met that I didn't learn something important from. Mm-hmm. And I was I I was talking to one of the authors that I have been privileged to to interview and it's it's like how cool is this i i mean i i i taught school for 25 years i have two master's degrees and yet i have put myself back in school i find authors that write material that i'm fascinated by and i talk them into spending two straight hours teaching me about their material I mean, it's the coolest thing in the world. I couldn't afford them as a tutor, but I talked them into talking to me for two hours <laughs> and explaining their yeah. work. It's the coolest yeah, thing. You do the same thing. Yeah, I know. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's excellent. It's a meeting of the mind. It really. Oh yeah, it's and and you know the only the only thing that's required of me, which of course when I was in school I didn't do as much as I should have. Um, I turn up prepared. So that I've mm-hmm. I've either read their material or I've read their book or I, you know I I have absorbed as much of their stuff as I could and then I get to talk to them and question them and give them I mean it's the coolest it's not a job it's just the coolest mm-hmm. thing in the world. Yeah, it is. And when I stop I having you. fun, I'll stop doing it. But but it's it's like when I when I look at it, it's like I put myself through a it's not PhD, but it's another master's anyhow of of all sorts of wonderful material. And because of the pandemic especially, authors can't do book signings, so they, they do podcasts. And, um, you know, I, I am just lapping it up like crazy. It's um, I'm taking advantage of it. <laughs> well, I would. I mean, I but, do the same thing in a sense in a good way, but... Yeah, I like the digital library aspect of it. You know, in the old days, it used to have the philosophers get together and discuss, but the whole world can listen now. They can eavesdrop on a conversation between two 
two people having a you know incredible information exchange. Well, you do you do the same thing I do. Mm-hmm. You you find yeah, authors and, I love and, it. and oh, geez, yeah. Gosh, I've been into it for a long time. I mean, I don't know why, but I, I do like it. So if I didn't, I would walk away more than likely. I enjoy it though. Oh, it's 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 probably one of the coolest things I have ever been a part of so far in my life. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I, I I may I may go on to something else. I doubt I'll go into something else, but I will add to whatever it is I'm doing because you get to a point where you have all of these different philosophies and you, and you start to then create a philosophy of your own moving you know forward from what you've gathered from all of these different people and it just it expands your consciousness unbelievably so that yep and uh, um and and I do think that you know you know I'm not saying everybody should go out and do a podcast so they'll be my guest but um I think this is a time where we t- have to take responsibility for our own development for our own growth for our own expansion and Everybody is going to go in a different direction. You know, it's, it's not not two people will have the same thought. You and I over overlap a lot, but our backgrounds mm-hmm. are very very different. So we bring a different mm-hmm. perspective to almost everything that we touch into. Mhm. Yep. And uh, it's always a great conversation. You know, it, <laughs> yes, and 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 people get to listen in and. Maybe maybe pick up something here and there that is a benefit to them, and that's the point. And I, I think that that the thing that both you and I are hammering on, you know, almost every time we talk, is that that we're up, we're we're responsible for our own growth and development. It's not going to school with someone else. It's it's what do I need and how do I get there and how do I grow? And it's going within. It's not going without, and yes. it's a spiritual journey, not a physical journey. So that mm-hmm. so that it doesn't matter where your body happens to be; it's where your mind is, and where your spirit is, and where your consciousness is, and and how do you expand consciousness to be able to embrace something else, and how do you how do you change your perception so that no matter what hits you, there's a positive in it that you can grow from. And I mean, it's it's it, it's not anything you have to pay for. It's just something you have to roll up your sleeves and work towards. Right. Yeah. Take the initiative. I think reading books really puts them on the path, and I think that's why we got into all the you know analysis of the initiation and the pyramid and, and Manly P. Hall because it just puts uh-huh. us in. Look where we went with it. I mean, this is <laughs> so funny. We do this a lot. You know, we'll do a chapter, we'll we'll go through it, and then we'll talk about it. We'll start to talk about it a little bit. Oh boy, did we just go someplace else? But it's always fabulous. So, yeah, but that's the whole idea. That's what it does. Well, yeah, and it's 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 two minds working off a singular concept, and you know, expanding as we go. I never get off this show with you and don't feel absolutely juiced up and ready to conquer the world because. You have my mind going and thinking, now I won't sleep tonight because I will, my mind will be going like 20 miles an hour about sorry. different <laughs> concepts and how to, how to how, yeah, it's all your fault. And <laughs> But I happen to think better at night. I don't know. Some people think better in the daytime. I'm a, I'm a night thinker. Mm-hmm. It's quieter. No, Energetically, probably. 
Oh, yeah. No, I'll sleep during the day. But, but see, I'm lucky because I'm retired, so I can do that. But, um, no, nighttime is, is, is when I shine. That's when I sparkle. That's when, that's when you know, everything kind of jumbles together, and I have those aha moments. And, you know, you have to get up and you have to, you know, really, really work at, okay, so, so here's a, here, okay, here's a concept. Um, I was taught, I was thinking about how, we are we are bridge walkers that we are spirit <clears throat> and that in a, in a life's incarnation it's important to keep one foot in the physical and one in the mystical because if you can stay in the middle of that bridge you can bring through information from from the divine from higher consciousness and you can manifest it within the physical but if you're too far on that bridge between the physical and the spiritual one way or the other you teeter-totter and nothing happens but once you get in the middle of that bridge and you become the fulcrum of the channel between the two um the flow of energy is profound Mhm. well said i agree and i like being a bridge walker you are definitely and and yeah, i do slide and I slide both ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you could navigate. I, find, I, I find the middle quite often, but boy, there are, there are moments when I'm one way or the other. So you know, it's kind of like check in on me and see which way I'm teetering and or tottering. But but well, that's um, that Pisces too, right? Because you have that Pisces, that water that absorbs a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, Aquarius rising. So. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, different thoughts, and you know, let's see who we can scare or, or offend, or both. <laughs> um, no, you don't do that. But education. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's. But you know, if if we can make people think or question just a little bit, then then we have done our job. If if we can, mm-hmm. you know, stir people into thinking. I have to check that out, or I think they're wrong. Let me see if I can find the right, or whatever. I mean, if we can get people to think and to start searching for themselves, then we've we've done our job. Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. I mean, the, the point is not to teach someone, but to tantalize them enough to reach out and find the material for themselves. Mm-hmm. Be- exactly. Because you know. Because what's appropriate for me and or you or the next person, it's all different Mm -hmm. because we're all coming from different places. And so our philosophies and our focuses are different. But, um, you know, I've 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 been recently doing a lot of biblical stuff, which fascinates me. And, I mean, Patrick on the other side is probably gnashing his teeth because... I didn't do a lot of biblical stuff when he was alive because he was the biblical theologian. So, mm. you know, he knew it all. He literally knew it all. He had a photographic memory. Mm. But now, you know, I'm I'm stretching into a lot of the different stuff and finding it fascinating. And because I'm not required to look into it, I'm having a lovely time doing it. So that so that as an adult, it's it's really a lot more fun 
to become your own teacher and move into areas that that just that are juicy for you rather than having to do this course or this course or this course. So um, mm-hmm. I understand the purpose of college, but, you know, I didn't learn anything there except how to not balance a checkbook. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, if, I think that the students, the children in general, if they were if they were doing what they want to do, if they were studying what they were really interested in or gifted in, I think they would do much better in school. Like well, I don't think there's a mundane. purpose to school. You know, if if mm-hmm. somebody is really good at artwork and they want to be a tattoo artist, that's what they should study. And mm-hmm. you know, okay. if, if if they like, if they think angleworm, you know, raising angleworms is is great, go for it. Get the science down and get the business side going, and 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 go for it. But we seem to be so um, focused on you know you have to get a job and make a living and get married and have children and then die mm-hmm. and that's just not what life is about you know it, we're here yeah. to learn we're here to grow we're here to experience we're here to to stretch ourselves and um i mean when when i was in high school um i had no idea what i wanted to be if i grew up i still don't know what i want to be when i grow up you know, I, I'm 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 still looking, but but I, I've got better focus now. <laughs> I think we're astronauts. I think we're just navigating okay. astronaut life. Well, feel like one, but yeah, time traveler that comes to mind. Dial here, dial there. I would agree with time travel. Mm-hmm. If you if you had to put a fig a finger in the past of a time frame where you would be most comfortable, where would it be? Jeez. From this lifetime? No, in the past, any lifetime. Oh, in the past. I don't that's a great question. I don't know. Um I don't want to go backwards in the illusion of space time where there's less less technology, less evolution. I, I'm not sure, but I would like to check out right before the pyramids showed up to see and just take a glimpse and look and see what was going down right before that. Oh. Or yeah, so I we would come back definitely... to center again with our conversation. <laughs> 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 Well, I yeah, I think I would I would want to go beyond the last mass mass destruction, and if I could go into the future, um, gosh, I guess I would I would want to go I would want to go off planet. I would want to see what civilization has become in twenty thousand years off planet. Agree. I, I would oh, we'll like to there. see you know. Yeah. Oh. Go ahead. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of... You can probably you know, dial in and some... see that tonight when you go to bed. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, another sleepless night. Um, no, I just, you know, it's. I know a lot of people that have said um, to me, uh, and this goes back to when I was doing meditation groups and things like that, you know, well, I'm fully evolved. I don't have to come back. I've done it all. I'm not going to come back ever again. And... I used to say to I used to argue with them and said, oh, "Of course you will," and and you know, nope, I'm finished. You know, spirit has told me I don't have to I don't have to manifest again. I don't have to incarnate again. And my answer after I grew a, quite a bit was, "I totally agree with you. Your personality will never again set foot on this planet. However, your spirit may have another thought." 
And, and you know, it's kind of like... Amnesia again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh how can God. anybody be that... I mean, I've, I've, I've known people that were so arrogant that said, you know, I'm totally evolved now. I don't have to come back to Earth anymore. And it's it's like, give me a break. <laughs> you know? Well, there may not be an Earth to come back to. They, that might change. We have a different space-time uh, Earth star to deal with. So, But when you look at it, and I look at it like this, when people transfer out depending on their field of energy, their frequency, state of consciousness, is where they're going to wind up doesn't necessarily mean they reincarnate. It means that they live and dwell in another formula, even close to the physical matrix they had here, but in a different field and perception and, and of energy. I mean, I, it's kind of like astral projection. You're in a whole different yeah. avenue, but it seems similar. It seems familiar to you, but it's not It's not this real-time environment. So that's what I look at. I, I've seen things that are very interesting in the astral plane, too. But, yeah, I think it can change into anything. But depending I think, on your frequency. I, I, well, yeah, Exactly. I did I did um, past life regression once, and you know people were getting all sorts of great stories of different time frames and everything. And when they came to me, I you know they asked me where I was. I said I was an elemental, and and mm-hmm. a water elemental, which I find fascinating because I'm afraid to get my face wet because I drowned so many times probably. But mm. but I I felt that I was an elemental at some point in time and that I was like, you know, I don't recall there being people around. I just mm-hmm. remember energy. And and it was mm-hmm. it was it was a very cool thing and and of course I did not journal it down, so I don't have, you know, as much memory of that time frame as as I would like to have had, but you know, you know, there were cowboys, there were Indians, there were people from the 18th century. There, you know, they had great stories. I, I was just in a forest. <laughs> it sounds peaceful. And, it sounds nice. Oh, it was blissful. It was just amazing. Mm-hmm. It was, um, you know, and and I think the one thing that I realized is there were no bugs, um, well, or I didn't feel bugs. There may have been bugs there. I didn't feel them. And it was um, it was a very cool experience, but yeah, it, it would it. I think this planet has been terraformed any number of times, and mm-hmm. and you know it it may be again. What do you what do you feel about the hollow Earth concept? Um, do you uh, do you go for it or no? Yeah, I haven't really been diving. I'm not real attracted to it, to be honest with you, but I do know that we have multidimensional fields of energy. We have access points. We have jump points. We have portals, stargates, whatever you want to call them, all intersecting on this grid. So if you look at it on Uh that perspective, I think anything is possible. certainly can navigate through the illusion of the Earth. or And I do believe in in other civilizations that can exist here simultaneously, just like we have the elementals, like you were talking about, and other, other types of beings in life can live simultaneously in a different field eclipsing this one in a different vibrational field dimension based on a different field of energy and, and a state of consciousness. So I think it's all interconnected to some degree. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a fascinating topic. That's what I see anyway. I, well, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I think when Admiral Berg thought that he had hit um, hollow earth, I don't think he had hit hollow earth. I think he had hit... Um, certainly a civilization that that may have lived beneath the surface, but I don't think the earth was hollow because mm-hmm. i mean when you when you go into project high jump 
that uh, that they they sent to the Antarctic. I mean, there were definitely ships coming out and attacking the ships. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there there was something there, but to me, it felt as though it was it was some sort of um, jump point's a good place. Uh, a good, I was going to say jump point. You know, you know, it's funny. We start reading each other after a while. It's really hysterical. It's a good thing though. But the Operation High Jump, when you mentioned that, yeah, because you're thinking of jump points. Once again, all those ships coming in, or were they the reverse engineer tech of the Nazis, or were we dealing with something way different? But remember when we were talking about jump points and access points off the Antarctica, that's me all correlates. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I don't think he hits I don't think he hit hollow earth. I think he, he certainly went into some form of um I think he, he it was interdimensional. I, I don't think he was actually in the earth when his plane went down there. I think it was he he went interdimensionally someplace else and then was sent back and then he brought, you know, the navy to destroy it and then of course they got they got attacked by the saucers. So um mm-hmm. but it it uh I don't believe the earth is hollow. I do believe that there's molten stuff down there. I do believe that there's a core. In many ways I do believe that we are on a huge um the the planet is a spaceship. Mhm. And and yeah, uh intelligent. Yeah, I, I yes, absolutely. And, and you know, you stop and you Thanks. think about okay. you know you 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 think about the fact that, you know, we're kind of like ants on this planet and every now and then the planet shakes off a whole bunch of us and starts again. <laughs> She's certainly doing that now. Um, you know what's interesting? The um, magnetic field anomalies that are down there in Antarctica, or I should say up, but down between Antarctica is anti-gravity, anti-gravity. But looking at the magnetic field anomalies, I had heard this, that there was a power source down there that was reactivated. I don't know if you know anything about that. That's something that we might look at as a remote viewing. But uh, supposedly there was something powered up in Antarctica. This has been recently, maybe a year or two ago. Plus or minus. That's, that's just something I've heard through the grapevine. Yeah. So I, I can tell you point blank there's a lot happening there regardless of that. Um, but the magnetic field anomalies I know are there. And so far as the anti-gravity, the pockets of anti-gravity, there's a, there's a lot happening. Well, you know how the military is, and the global military is the same way. They stake power spots. They stake energy. They stake areas where they know they have access points, whether it's a portal, whatever it is. That I think they're terrified of. But you know what? I think they're powerless when it comes down to the bigger off-world uh, design. I don't think they can they can combat that at all. So if they're terrified of the new incomer incoming things that are happening with extraterrestrial intelligence, I think they're just going to have to get over it. And I think the biggest lesson they have to learn on the global scale is not to control, manipulate, or brainwash or censor people on a global scale. That's the lesson they all need to learn, and they have not learned that lesson at all because they're misusing everything right now. They meaning all these corporate areas, corporate government, corporate religion, oh, God, corporate yeah. institution, yeah, corporate military. They're out of control. So you have all these people that haven't learned their lessons, trying to delegate everything on, or, or actually not delegate, but but to control everyone else. It's just no good. They have well, to I be think, um, taught, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, over history, um, races and cultures have been held under the thumb of dictators, czars, whoever, um, for great lengths of time. However. Today's society will not put up with that for very long. So mm-hmm. where 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 you know, like in Russia, they had kaisers forever. Um, that won't that won't 
people, at least in this country, will not put up with that. There will be a rebellion of some sort. And I don't know what kind, but there will be a rebellion. And I think you and I will see that rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something yep. that's going to take generations. I think I think we will see the rebellion. I don't know if it will be, you know, within the next couple of years or the decade or whatever, but, but there will be a rebellion. And um, Sylvia Brown, long time ago, um, predicted that, that the government of the United States would change in, and mm-hmm. it would change more into a um, uh, it, it would be almost as though people were it was a a cooperative as, as though people co- common people like you and I um, were able to sit for a period of time and you know, manage whatever needed to be managed, and then we would go back to to our own jobs and stuff. It wouldn't be the kind of thing where you will have a career politician. Politicians are going to be gone, and mm-hmm. and it, it's going to be, and it's not going to be the military, though the military may be a part of it. It's not going to be that. It's almost going to be like there will be a boardroom and um or 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 a round table even better like King Arthur where everybody was equal and and it had to mm-hmm. be a consensus of opinion but that that my feeling is that our government is going to be totally reorganized at some point in time and I don't know when but I do know mm-hmm. that it's it it's not going to go on it's not going to last it won't we it won't survive I agree. It's too corrupted right now there're multi layers of corruption in my opinion hey, try remote viewing DC sometime I um I get nothing but a dead zone I see it as a black hole. Yeah. I'm not kidding you. There's nothing there. There's no building there. There's no structure. There's no DC. There's no nothing. It's like it's just gutted. And and it's interesting. It's it's just what I call the dead zone. And that's now. And I'm not looking too uh-huh. far off into the timeline. I mean, it's gone. So yeah, yeah. I think you're right on when it comes down to a reconstruct. And whatever they're trying to do with this one percent agenda, if there is one, uh, that's going to go backwards. That's not going to work because you can't have a bunch of people deciding the fate of of millions and millions of people who are star beings, who are hybrids, who are not from here. Uh, that's not their call. It's not their call to define the perimeters of people's lifespan, and that's going to that's going to be looked at from a cosmic scale on a cosmic level. I guarantee you that much. Yeah, and and I I what the other thing that I saw was that the the uh, shape of the states is going to be changing. Mm-hmm. The, I can um, see that. So so and and you know <laughs> and I and I've said it almost every year for the last ten years. The new Madrid line is going to go off again. And that will change and shift things around as well. And, of course, I was on the East Coast where I was perfectly safe. Now I'm right in the zone where I, my China is not going to survive it if it does. So, well, you'll just hold the so, space there. You know how to remote influence. Just keep it steady. And also, what about Yellowstone? Did you have any insight on that? Yeah, well, you know, the, the animals were leaving at one point, but I don't know if they still are. Um, mm-hmm. My gosh, if that went off, that would be that would send us into a... Um, an early ice age, most probably there would mm-hmm. certainly be a time frame where, where there would be no sun. Um, that's a super volcano, but there's another one in the middle of the country, um, not um, not Yellowstone and not uh, the San Andreas, but there's another fault line that is in the middle of the country between the Mississippi and where Yellowstone is, and there's a, a volcano there that probably is going to go off. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, 
you know, the circle of fire has been pretty active. The hurricanes have been more in- increasive. And, and so so there's an inner rumbling so that we may have a plate shift of some sort that, that, that we're going to experience. And, you know, we'll all survive it. It's going to be um, an interesting time. But hopefully we could let go of the petty stupidity and work together when it does happen. Yeah, I think we have to, I it mean, just has to be, consciousness has to go up. It has to be raised. Instead of this uh, spiking that I'm seeing, it has to go way, way high. Well, if you look at if you if you look at what what happens down in the New Orleans area, I forget what they call it, but it's a people with boats. They, they, it's a it's a oh I can't what they I can't remember what they call it. They, they're they're all in the, it's a, the Cajun Navy. You know, they're mm. they're people with boats who come in and they just help each other out. I mean, we've got our society in times of disaster works together so gloriously it's wonderful mm-hmm. and and unfortunately there has to be a major disaster in order for it to happen and and it reminds us that we are it was really funny i was i was um going to do um a a class in 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 college this goes back a couple of years more than a couple of years, a college asked me to to sort of do a lecture on whatever I chose, and I chose to take um, silhouettes of people, and and not not uh, you know just just the silhouette, and I put them up, and and I think I had twelve, and I said, you know, one's one's a Republican, one's a Democrat, one's male, one's female, one's gay, one's this, one's that. You know, one's a Presbyterian, one's a Catholic, and all of that. And all they saw were the dark outlines. And I said, I, I want you know, here's the list of who who they are, what they are. I want you to tell me who's what. You know, A, B, C, D, whatever. You know, one, two, three, whatever. Just match them up for me, and, and take a couple of minutes because we're really good at that. And somebody said, well, we need a little more information. And I said, okay. I said, and and I showed them x-rays of everybody. (laughs) And they said, well, how can we tell the difference? Because everybody looks the same. (laughs) And I said, you know, I, I shouldn't have to say anything beyond that. I said, yes, mm-hmm. everybody is the same. Everybody is the same. We are one family. We all come from the same place. We aren't any different underneath the skin. We are the same. So there should be no no designation of Republican or Democrat or male or female or or, you know, gay or straight or any of that. We're all the same. You should re- remember that and understand it when you start to categorize people because we're all the same. And mm-hmm. I wasn't asked back. But <laughs> That's a great point you made. It's all energy and consciousness. I, I approach it differently, but I understand. And, and it's really about the suit. The bio suit is the bio suit. But the energy, the consciousness, yeah. the frequency, soul, frequency. Yeah. And one, one construct, this is, this is, we're living and existing in a linear world right now, but yeah, we're multidimensional beings, but they don't see outside that, you know, programming sometimes, some people. That's a no, great point you made in your and, class, though. I think it's great. 
it was it was just sort of like I mean somebody said, you know, everybody looks the same. How can we tell who's better than anybody else? And I said, you can't. There is no better than. We're all the same. <laughs> and and it was I hammered. And and mm-hmm. it was like you know, and they kept saying, "Well, we we should be able to know." You know, um, one black lady said, "You know, I can't tell who's African American and who's not." And I said, "Nobody can. Nobody should. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, color, religion, race, creed, political, religious denomination, all the same." Mm-hmm. And and you know and. Afterwards, I think a lot of the kids came up and said, you know, that really hit home. And, and you know, and that was my point. If I hit one or two of them, I was okay. And mm-hmm. I think I hit more than that. But it was, it's it's sure. important. You know, you look at the skeleton, we're all the same. I mean, the, the, the it's, it's like the clothes we wear. Yes, everybody wears different clothes, but we put them on the same bodies. So, but mm-hmm. but I, I think I think you and I are, are you know are here as teachers trying to put information mm-hmm. out there, trying to help people understand the power that they've got, the 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 assets that they have that they they haven't been using, so many of them exactly, and and yeah. re- remind them that it's it's practice it's. It's working on yourself, and you and I have been in this field for yeah, a long time. <laughs> it feels like a long time, doesn't it? Yeah, even for me, it feels like a couple of lifetimes well, before, before and after. <laughs> I mean, it has to be a, a number of lifetimes, I would think. I know that, that I can mm-hmm. trace myself back um, 60 years. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know... That's horrifying to me, but but um, it got me to where I am today, which I like mm-hmm. where I am. So, and, exactly. and I think you're probably the same way. You know, no matter what you've been mm-hmm. through, as horrible as it was from time to time, it brought you to this point in time, which is a great time where you can really use what you've learned, share it with others, and 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 keep growing yourself. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. That's that's what I'm finding that you know your suggestion to do a teaching show, fabulous idea, and and what better way to do it than to you know let people know that you know <laughs> we we're still learning too we're still growing, and and mm-hmm. that's the that's the excitement of the experience. I mean to arrive somewhere only means that you have another mountain to climb, so mm-hmm. you know it's it's. Or die, you know. You got a choice. You you arrive. You can die, or you can climb another mountain. And I personally like mountain climbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. And infinity is infinity, anyway. If you look at it, you look at death. It's just another cycle of progression into a new frontier. That's another graduation. Yeah. You go from one universe to the next. So yeah, but I appreciate life. You know, I, I appreciate while I'm here. I really do. And I find that I've always been that way. And I hope that most people do, even if they feel like they're having a a bad week, a bad day, or some kind of weird environment, that they they really appreciate the moments of life because it's so special. And as you were saying earlier, it doesn't come back. We, these moments will be lost, you know. Uh, we capture them in a, <clears throat> excuse me, time capsule, 
<clears throat> on here. I mean, excuse me, on the digital internet. But my point is that yeah, be be in the moment. Um, it's very very significant. Oh, absolutely. And I think I think what's what's really kind of exciting is that um, you know it, it, it's it's an it's opening the door for us. It's opening you know you and I talking is stimulating stuff inside of us so we're learning more so that the fact that we're doing this to to help others understand a process it's increasing our own process so that so that um i mean it's such fun it's mm-hmm. um it's not meant to be work it's it's meant to be something that you relax into and flow with and then expand expand with and i certainly hope that this evening we've answered Everybody's questions on the Great Pyramid. <laughs> to, to be I know, honest, we didn't really cover a whole lot, but we did. We, we covered well covered what we needed to. I think, to be honest, that, that we pulled we, whatever it was about this material that opened us up to a consciousness discussion was the appropriate way to go, um, mm-hmm. and and. And I think that that, that consciousness is such it, it's a topic that's never ending. It's you know we we all have um, levels of consciousness. We all stay in one particular place where we're most comfortable. But there's always that opportunity to stretch beyond, to go beyond. And there's always always something more. We never come to a place where it says you know do not pass go, do not collect two hundred dollars. You know it, it's it's there it's a constantly it's a constant learning and expanding process so that so that it's a very exciting thing to be involved in and and if you catch that excitement if you catch the joy of learning and growing and and expanding your consciousness then life becomes so much richer and so much more fun no matter what the difficulties are there's always a way to rise above them and, and to expand yourself into into elements that, that hold a greater richness for you. And you certainly Absolutely. you certainly have done that. I mean, you've been through some very difficult times with your your whole growth process and I mean that you've come no. Oh, my God, yes. And and you took the knowledge and you grew from it and you, you expanded beyond it. And not only that, but you've put out a number of really, really good books. And, oh, and you. you know, one that is a favorite of mine. Um, I'm always honored. I love your book. I, I, I have all of them. I've read all of them, but it's the transmutation one that I just I just adore. Because I'm so glad. You, oh, it's. It's, it's I my very first book. Constantly. Oh, really? Special permission. Yes, that was the first book I ever wrote. Yep. Well, um, I mean, you've gotten better, and, and your Halloween book is fabulous, too. Every child should oh. have that book. But um, I think so. I love it animated. It's adorable. I, I do like it. I'm, I'm very prejudiced with it. It makes me oh, smile. Oh, it's, it's the, the illustrations are just as charming as they could possibly be. The story is a wonderful story. Um, the transmutation book um, helps people to understand how to focus, how to reach, how to grow. And 
you put it in such a way as that people can adjust it to their own capabilities and their own um, levels of, of understanding and consciousness, and um, it's a step-by-step, and it's beautifully done. Um, well, the other books you. get a little more heavy-duty, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I and they're good. Don't get me wrong. They're very, very good, but if 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 somebody wanted a place to begin, it would be with your, your transmutation book because that one, to me, um, is a wonderful entree into the wonderful field of metaphysics. Mm-hmm. I agree. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice introduction. I agree. Then everything goes fast track. All right, hold on for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to this level now. Advanced AI. It is. Yep. But you know, it is a cool ride. It really is. Mm-hmm. And when you realize the power that you have. And you can change your, you know, you can create your reality by your perception of it. You can change your perception. You can change the focus. You can change how things, the outcome of things. And you can't make a mistake. You can prolong the journey, but you can't make a mistake. And Mm -hmm. I I think once people understand that, I mean, there have been times in my life where I've, done something that was perhaps not as spiritual as it might have been. And and um, I re- remember, I won't tell the story, but I remember the person I was with said, oh, you're going to pay for that one. And it's like, if I have to pay an extra lifetime, I'll do it because it was worth it. But, <laughs> you know, um, I will privately tell you the story at some time, but, but yeah. it's kind of like, you know, it, it it's sort of like, you understand the process. You understand the journey you're on. You understand that this is just one part of the journey. It's just a leg of the journey. It's not the beginning and the end. It's not the alpha and the omega. It's a stopping place. And mm-hmm. and after this particular lifetime, there will be others. And oops, um, <clears throat> you want to give your website and tell about your radio shows? <laughs> We're almost out of time. <laughs> My goodness. Well, I want to say thank you so much. This has been, once again, a wonderful show with you, Barbara. And my website's Night Shadow Anomaly Detectives. My show, Hyperspace, is on KCUR Digital Radio Network, 12 midnight Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Pacific. And, of course, I have Raven Star Switching Hour, 12 midnight Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Pacific, on Saturday at Revolution Radio Studio A. And thank you. This has been a great show. Oh. Well, you know, both of your shows are fabulous, and I highly recommend people check them out now that this show is over. And you're back here um, the last Sunday of every month, and we will attempt mm-hmm. to um, <laughs> go into other yeah, materials. You're picking this time. Your selection. That's my choice. I'll, I'll pick a good one. <laughs> okay. okay. So, Laris, thanks so much, and, and um, this has been great, and um, I will talk to you soon. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night, Barbara. Good night. Good night, everybody. Um, This will be up on YouTube later on. Please check us out. If you like what you're seeing, please subscribe. That's how we know you're there. Good night now.